Hey guys, I hope you're doing better than you were yesterday. My name is Ray and I welcome you all to Sundoku because we all have the mysteries piled up. Now, each week I plunge into the mysteries of the world from true crimes and unsolved cases to even some supernatural phenomena. So, first of all, I would like to thank you all for taking interest in my small research-based podcast and I hope you enjoy your time here. Before starting this week's episode, I would like to ask you all a question. You all have seen books, right? It's a it's a pretty stupid question. I mean, you would go like, "Ray, obviously I have seen a book. Why won't I know what a book is?" So yeah, I know you all have seen a book, and we know what a book is, right? It's basically a written or printed document of pages that binds a lot of information in that. But What if I say that there are certain books that are present with human beings which no one knows what the books are actually about or what actually is written in those books? Well, guess what? Today I bring in front of you the tale of one such codex from the Middle Ages. Yeah, I know, I know. We are taking a big step behind in the history to look at a mysterious and a bizarre puzzle that is still not solved. The origins of which are completely not known till this date. Like there are just bits and pieces of information, but it's not, you know, it's not all compiled up or it's not even proven that if it's true or not. Well, this book that is still held in the Yale University's Bainik Rare Book and Manuscript Library. So, who actually wrote the book? When was it written? Why doesn't anyone know about what actually is inside the book? And is it really a book or is it just a hoax like some people like to say? Well, this is the anecdote of the Wynich Manuscript. So before getting right into the episode, let me give you an outline of what is the Voynich Manuscript. So the Voynich Manuscript is an illustrated codex handwritten in some unknown script referred as Voynichies. Now this book is kind of weird as not only it contains some incomprehensible script but is It also contains some, you know, weird illustrations like of plants, astrological diagrams, and in some places, naked women. Yeah, it's it's pretty bizarre and it's pretty weird, but we'll get to know what this is about further in the episode. Now, it is written on a vellum that is a prepared animal skin for writing, which was used in the earlier days of our civilization and. On researching those pages, on carbon dating those, they point back to the early 15th century. That means this manuscript was written somewhere in early 15th century. 
Now, this book is pretty normal in appearance. It's pale yellow, like any other old books with animal skin that, you know, get that dusted color over those. And the manuscript itself contains a lot of writings and strange drawings. And for instance, it's, uh, it measures uh, about 23.5 centimeter into 16.2 centimeter into 5 centimeter, which is not that big in size, but not even that small. Uh, it contains around 240 pages, but it isn't complete and the pages are still missing. And some of the pages are foldable sheets of varying size. And when you count those pages, uh, they can differ in number on as how you count those foldable sheets. And uh, it is a collection, like all the information is collected into 18 choirs, but it was like, it is speculated that there were around 20 choirs. So uh, yeah, some pages are missing. Uh, on estimate, I guess, 88% of the book is with us right now. So yeah. Well, uh, this book is actually named after Wilfred Michael Voynich, who was a Polish book dealer. And he purchased it from a Jesuit library in Italy in 1912. And after that, since 1969, the Voynich manuscript has been held in the Yale University's Bainik Rare Book and Manuscript Library, as I have already told you. Now, the weird part about the book is that no one actually knows why, how, or who wrote it. That's the part about the book that makes, us mis makes it mysterious, because there is no known origin of the Voynich manuscript. As the carbon dating suggests, that the origins were between 1404 and 1438. And the earliest information about its existence comes from a letter that was found inside the covers of the manuscript. And the letter was written sometime in the 17th century by the royal doctor Johannes Marcus Marquis. And with the help of that letter, well, its ownership can be traced back to the Holy Roman Emperor Rudolf II. Now, it is said that Rudolf purchased it from an unnamed seller for around 600 gold ducats. Well, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing these things wrong. Uh, yeah, pardon my pronunciation in this. But apparently he purchased it under the belief that the manuscript was the work of 13th century English alchemist Roger Bacon. So he purchased it, I mean, Rudolf purchased the Voynich manuscript in sometime between 1576 and 1612. But in the new study by Stephen Guse, uh, who is from the University of Arts, Berman, Germany, according to his studies, he actually scored the imperial accounts, you know, imperial account generals kept by Rudolf's court. And he has traced its ownership a little back further. The record revealed that in 1599, uh, the physician Carl Widman sold a collection of manuscript uh, that uh, would cost equal to 600 ducats to Rudolf. And it is believed that the Voynich manuscript was one of those things. Now, according to him, Widman used to live in Osberg's house of the well-known botanist Dr. Leonard Rewolf 
and uh, that's how you know they get the idea of how well Whitman sold Revolve's collection after Revolve's death to the emperor and it is believed that after Rudolf it was eventually traded to a bohemian pharmacist now the letter that was found in the cover of the manuscript that was written by Marquis in around 1665 or 1666 to Kircher says that according to his friend, the late Rafael Minchwoski, again, pardon my pronunciation, it may be wrong, and I guess it is 100% wrong, but yeah. The book was with Rudolf II, and Rafael speculated that the author was 13th century polymath Roger Bacon as mentioned in the letter. Now, when we talk about ownership, the first confirmed owner was George Barash, a 17th century alchemist from Prague. Barash was puzzled about this thing that he called Sphinx that had been kept and taking up space uselessly in his library. Now, at this time, he got to know about Kircher. A Jesuit scholar from the Collegio Romano claimed to have deciphered the Egyptian hieroglyphs. Well, again, pardon my pronunciation. I know I'm just butchering all these names, but yeah. So what Barish did was he attached and sent a sample copy of that script to Kircher in Rome. And he did this twice in order to find any clues for deciphering the manuscript. Now, the letters from Barish to Kircher in 1639 are the earliest confirmed mentions of the manuscript. The reason, like the response of the Kircher is unknown, whether he was able to, you know, uh, decode it or not, or he responded positively or not, that is all unknown. But it was sure that Kircher really got interested in that manuscript and he did want to acquire it. Now, Barish refused this. Barish just refused to give up on that manuscript. And eventually, upon Barish's death, the manuscript passed to his friend, Johannes Marcus Marquis. And a year later, Marquis sent the book to Kircher, his longtime friend. And that's why he wrote the letter to Marquis. I mean, sorry, that's why Marquis wrote the letter to Kircher explaining how and what was in the book and how he got his hands on it. So here is the catch. Uh, the authorship theory of Bacon is largely discredited. However, the evidence of Rudolf's ownership is on the very first page of the book till this date, which is almost an invisible name of Jacobus Horkiki the Tepenicus. I am so sorry for butchering all these names. I am not a native and yeah. Well, moving on. Uh, he was the head of Rudolf's botanical garden in Prague and it was most likely given to him as a debt still owned by Rudolf after his death. Now, still, if you look in all of this research, there are 200 years of information missing about the book, who held it, who was with it, who wrote it, in what condition it was, and if, you know, someone altered it or not. Maybe in between someone added some things or someone removed some things, no one knows about those. 
But yeah, even if the 200 years have not been found, uh, the most probable answer about those is that it was somewhere with Kircher or at least in his library of the Collegio Romano with the rest of his correspondences. But that book was, you know, moved from his correspondences uh, in 1870. When in 1870, the city was captured and the papal states annexed by the troop of Victor Emmanuel II of Italy. At that time, they were trying to confiscate many properties of the church, including the Collegio Library. So in order to, you know, save at least some of these things from confiscations, uh, some of the books were hastily transferred to personal libraries. And luckily, Kircher's correspondence was among those books. So was the Weinitz manuscript, as it still have the book plate of Petrus Bickex, head of the GSET order and the university's reactor at that time. And after that, uh, his private library was moved to a large country palace owned by the Society of Jesus, which was the Villa Mondragone, which is near Rome. And this was done in 1866. Now, after this, uh, the Society of Jesus uh, was in need of money in around, at around 1903. And, well, that was the time when they decided to sell some of their possessions discreetly to the Vatican Library. And this sale took place in 1912. And now, as we all know, not all of the manuscripts ended up with the Vatican Library. Around 30 of those manuscripts were acquired by Wilfred Voynich and among them was the Voynich manuscript that now holds his name. After his death, the Voynich manuscript was passed down to his wife, Ethel Voynich, and when his wife died in 1960, she left it with her close friend, Anil. And Nil then sold it to antique book dealer Hans P. Kraus in 1961. And apparently Kraus was not able to find any buyer for the manuscript. So he decided to donate it to the Yale University where it is still available. Uh, and he actually did that uh, in order to find more ways and in order to make it available to more people so that the decoding might be possible now as we all know it still sits in the yale library and it is also referred to as bainic ms408 now some people even speculate that you know weinich himself fabricated the manuscript like when the manuscript was with weinich weinich was intellectual enough as he was an antique book dealer and he held a lot of, you know, writings from the past with himself. So they think that the manuscript may have been fabricated by Voynich, but it's not proven anywhere. So we don't know what the truth is. And this is pretty much all we know about the ownership of the manuscript. Now we come to the question that what exactly is the manuscript? It has been owned by so many people in such a long period of time. What exactly is inside that which makes it so mysterious? So, the manuscript itself contains excessive writing. But 
it is an unidentified language, the text is written from left to right, like we write normal in English, and most of the characters are made up of one or two, one or two simple pen strokes, you know, uh, like how in languages uh, such as Japanese and Chinese, a couple of lines combine to make one letter, but that one letter actually represents a whole word itself. It's kind of like that. And there is no obvious punctuation in the script. Also, most of the text is written in a single column with a straight, ragged, with a slightly ragged right margin and paragraph divisions. And sometimes there, you know, can there is a star on the left margin. This is mainly in one of the sections of the book. I'll discuss it further. So, some of the text is in the form of charts, you know, like with labels associated uh, to them with illustrations or so it seems because we have not been able to, you know, decode the language so we cannot read it but it seems like the illustrations are associated to some of the texts. Now, one of the thing in the text which makes people believe, which makes some of the people believe that the book is just a hoax, is that there are no error marks or corrections made at any place in the document. Like, in all the 240 pages that we have, or maybe less than that, there is not even a single sign of a person making something, you know, uh, making some error and then slightly cutting it and then moving on to the next word. No, there is nothing like that. The document is as clean as a printed book. Now, people usually debate that this is not possible. If a human is writing, then it is not possible. And it is not. We do make mistakes. And we do make a lot of mistakes. But what if, what if that's not the case with when it's manuscript? Why does it have to mean that, you know, all the writings that is in there is just scribbling? Then what about the illustrations? What about the, you know, matching of the writing with or matching of the text with certain languages that are still present? So, yeah, moving ahead. Along with the text in the manuscript, it is just filled with bizarre illustrations. And since we are not able to decode the text in now, uh, on the basis of illustration, we have divided the manuscript into six sections. Herbal, astronomical, balneological, cosmological, pharmaceutical, and the recipe section. So, let me give you an idea about what these sections exactly consist of. So, the first section, or the herbal section, mainly consists of plants. There are just, you know, a lot of images drawn, a lot of diagrams drawn of plants, but the weird part is that the plants are not from Earth. Or to put it more correctly, they are not of the species or their species are not identified, you know. Uh, so, yeah, people like to put it that they are not from Earth. Uh, but yeah, moving on, uh, the second section, it, as the astronomical section suggests, it, contain, it consists of circular diagrams, which suggests astronomy or astrology. And ahead, further ahead in the section, there are some 
illustrations of suns, moons, and stars, and there are also illustrations of zodiacal, you know, constellations in those. But the the question here is, as it's suggested that it was written in the 15th century, in the Middle Ages. So how did people know about astrology or astronomy at that time? Because that idea was not that popular, you know. But yeah, it's in there. Uh, and moving on to the third section. Well, this is also known as the bathing section, as it contains a lot of, you know, drawings of small naked women in some kind of bathtubs or a system like that. And they seem to be having bath. So yeah, people like to say that it is just a book about how to bath properly and about hygiene. But there are certain sections like the next section, which is the cosmological section. And it contains some more, you know, circular diagrams and somewhere it contains some, ty some type of illustrations of maps or a diagram with nine island for some reason. After that comes the pharmaceutical section and it contains, you know, isolated parts of plants like the plants in the herbal section. It contains the isolated part of them like, uh, you know, leaves of certain plants or roots of certain plants or whatever. But yeah. And the last, last section that is present there is the recipe section. Now, this section doesn't contain any illustration. Instead, it's just full text. In, which is divided in small paragraphs and this is the section uh, that is marked with stars on the left margin so this was the overall idea about what might be inside the manuscript since we don't know what actually is inside as we don't even know how to read it uh, but yeah the overall impression suggests that the manuscript you know is maybe some kind of pharmacopoeia, maybe, or a health general, maybe, for women, because there are a lot of illustrations of women, and that's how people like to put it. But it's not the case for some people, as the plants present in the form of illustrations are not identified. And not only plants, there are also astronomy-related illustrations in there, so no one actually knows what the book is about. They just, you know, label it as a medieval healthcare general or whatever. But maybe it's not. Now there are scholars and scientists and all kind of people trying to study the manuscript, trying to find out what actually is inside. And, you know, they came up with some suggestions for what kind of language might be used in the manuscript for writing it. So some suggest that it is a cipher. Others say that it is, you know, uh, technography or maybe it's even maybe it's some kind of natural language that just does not exist anymore. Or maybe it's a constructed language. But we have all of these theories, but not anyone have ever been able to decipher what actually is inside the book or what actually does the language say and because of that because there has still not been a proper you know decoding of the book of the language many scholars have said that the book is just all a big hoax 
you know they even suggest that witherman you know just got his hands from somewhere on it and it was just all a useless hoax and it was not worth anything but he added that uh bacon theory that he actually wrote it and just sold it to rodolph for some money for not some money to be precise 600 ducats which is just which which is a mind boggling amount if you you know want to know what it is in today's money value but yeah but that doesn't seem to be true the hoax theory that language inside is all just one big lie that actually doesn't support the scientific results because when the text was examined and the results came out they were actually in the favor that the text is written in a proper language it's just we are unable to identify which language which language it actually is and that might be because the language already doesn't exist or maybe it's a language that still exists but it's just code and it's just super tough that no one knows how to decode yeah <laughs> so and you know how it is a proper language see the text which is written in the manuscript the whole text can account for just a script that is very likely maybe 20 to 25 characters uh, though the exceptions are some few rare characters or some rarer characters which are only used once or twice in you know the book or in the manuscript but yeah this is what happens in language you know you can actually uh, read something on the basis of these alphabets or all these letters which are present for the language like take an example of english uh, we have 26 alphabets we can read any sentence which is written in english using those 26 alphabets similarly for the text written in the voynich manuscript if we try to decode it then the manuscript will like the script that we write for it the characters that we write for it would account for 20 or 25 in number and yeah we can read it after that but that's the problem you know how can we find those 20 or 25 characters like the a b c d's of the text in the manuscript but yeah it's pretty confusing i guess i made it more confusing but let's leave it so basically the final answer is that yes the manuscript is in real language and it's just that we are not capable of reading it but 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 that doesn't mean that no one has ever made an attempt to decipher the manuscript because we all have big brains in the world and they come to the rescue <laughs> So first of all in 1921 William Newbold was the first of many to claim that he actually deciphered the manuscript well he suggested that each visible text was meaningless but each letter was constructed of a series of tiny markings which were actually decipherable but only under magnification now these were supposed to be on ancient greek shorthand however this was dismissed after john matthews manley pointed out some major flaws in the theory 
And even after this, many people to this date are trying to, you know, decipher or even get a clue about what is actually written in the manuscript. Uh, we have uh, many examples like Joseph Martin Feely claimed it was a scientific diary. Le- Lionel C. Strong claimed it was a peculiar double system of arithmetical progressions of a multiple alphabet. Robert S. claimed it was just a forgery. John Stotsko claimed it's written in wobbless Ukrainian. After this, we have an example of Stephen Bax, who suggested that provincial partial decoding using the techniques that were used to translate the Egyptian hieroglyphs, but no full translation was ever made with this technique. After this, we got a big claim in 2017 by Nicola Gibbs, He is a television writer who claimed to have decoded the manuscript as strangely abbreviated Latin. Well, he said that it was mostly a plagiarized guide to women's health, but his hypothesis was largely denied as it doesn't result in Latin that makes sense. Also, Greg Kondrak suggested that the language to most likely be Hebrew but encoded using alphagrams, you know, which are basically alphabetically ordered anagrams. Similarly, many theories are there, but none is found to be true or reliable. Well, what do you guys think? Is it really impossible to decode the manuscript? Or is it really that tough to decipher it? What is inside it that the person who wrote it didn't want us to decipher? Maybe... He wrote it in a natural language, but it's just that the language doesn't exist anymore. Well, in the age of modern technology, I am guessing that you all are getting a question that why didn't they use AI? You know, these days everything can be done by AI or AI will be able to solve it in just 10 seconds. But let me tell you that they did try AI, <laughs> but it it helped. It sure helped. And we made some progress in the matter of fact, but it didn't actually decode it. It just told us about what might be the language that is used in the manuscript. So now I'll tell you the findings of the AI. So when scientists actually, you know, used AI, they found that around 80% of the encoded words are written in Hebrew. But the other 20% were matched to some different languages and it was not one, it was multiple languages. They were matched to multiple languages. But yeah, they were like, we have a standpoint, we have 80% of the Hebrew. That means we can start from here at least. But obviously it's not that easy to, you know, decode the Hebrew of the Middle Ages Because in modern times, there are so many improvements and so many new additions in the languages and so many subtractions uh, from the previous languages. Although they are the same, but at the same time, they are not the same. So they couldn't find a person who can actually translate Hebrew properly, you know, in English. So what they did was they used Google Translate. (laughs) Yeah, they used Google Translate. But obviously, like Google Translate was helpful to some extent, but since Google Translate also uses modern Hebrew, so it was not able to fully decipher everything from back then. 
So after translating some lines and some pages, uh, the first well-versed sentence they got after some spelling correction. So yeah, the first ever sentence from the Voynich manuscript that scientists have got is, quote, She made recommendations to the priest, man of the house, and me, and people, unquote. Well, yeah, it's a very strange sentence, and it doesn't make much sense, honestly. When I first read it, I was like, she, what? What is this? This doesn't clear anything. The haze is just the haze. But it means that we are moving, you know, forward in the direction of decoding the manuscript. And not only this, they actually deciphered some of the words like farmer, like, air, and fire from the herbal section. Now, the problem here is no one knows if we are going in the right direction of, uh, you know, deciphering all these. And even if these deciphered words are real or true or not, no one knows this. But just think about it. What if we are actually able to decipher the Voynich manuscript? What if we are actually able to find what is inside the Voynich manuscript? Well, it's not a big deal, you know. Some people might think that why are we wasting time on Voynich manuscript? Like there are much greater issues going on in the world that we can focus on, that scientists can focus on and make people and make this earth an even more happier place by, you know, wasting that time in some logical logical thing other than the Voynich manuscript, which might as well be a hoax, no one knows. But the thing here is the illustrations inside it and the, you know, astronomical section. What if it contains some of the most bizarre ideas that we don't even know about? Because believe it or not, in my opinion, the past civilization was way more advanced than we are today. And if you ask me, well, we are just going downhill on the way of development. Because these days, we don't actually focus on the real issues. We are just, we, we are just, yeah, we are just on the social media and whatnot. But yeah, it's important as well. I won't deny the fact. But I'm sorry, I got off track. Uh, I'm like this. I don't know why. But yeah, so what I was saying is we are so peculiar. We are so, you know, interested in solving this Voynich manuscript because it might as well open up some secret of chambers for us that no one knew about, that no one ha- would have a- would have even thought about, you know, what I'm trying to say? That, like people say right now, that it's a book about women's healthcare. What if there are some amazing tips and tricks for women's healthcare or not even women's healthcare for humans healthcare what if there are you know some plants that can actually heal us overnight with major injuries or whatever but it's all possible only when we decode the voynich manuscript and that is still in the process voynich manuscript is not going anywhere we are not going anywhere maybe in some time maybe in some decades but we are still here So yeah, it will take some time, but I hope you find someone who can decipher it. And 
Ask yourself this question. Um, can you decipher the Voynich manuscript? If you have time after this podcast, go and search on Google the images of Voynich manuscript. It's pretty much a normal book. And the writing there, well, you might be astonished by it. It's very pretty writing, let me say. It's it's so beautiful to just look at it. And the illustrations, they are so colorful. But yeah. <laughs> and also, the book PDF is available on the internet. Like, the Yale University's Yale University actually uploaded the book as in a PDF format online. So you can, yeah, you can check it out for free as well. So yeah, this was uh, my today's research about the Voynich Manuscript. I'm sorry if I left any points behind and I'm sorry if you didn't like the research very much. But yeah, I had very much, I was very much intrigued to know about Voynich Manuscript the day I got the name because it's intriguing if you if you actually see it it's bizarre like how these you know naked women are in some kind of bath some are crying some are not some kind of fluid is flowing from some of those it's it's weird just go and look at those you know even the plants i have never seen those things i have never seen anything like those uh in whatever time i have spent on earth but yeah, this was the Voynich Manuscript. Thank you so much for listening to me. And I hope you enjoyed the episode. And well, if you didn't, do let me know. <laughs> do let me know if you didn't enjoy it. Uh, I'll, I'll try my best to improve. And guess what, guys? Our audio quality. I'm sorry, I was about to say video quality. But yeah, our audio quality is improved. Yay! It's better than the first episode. And I hope it will remain better. Well, I have uh, good news as well today. Uh, you can you can obviously contact me via email, but now you can also contact me via, uh, via Instagram and Twitter if you have any queries or if you just want to discuss about these episodes with me. So head over to my Instagram. That is at the rate sundaku.podcast. And you can also contact me via Twitter. That is at the rate sundaku-pod. And yeah, this was all for today's episode, the Voynich Manuscript. I hope you liked the content. And if there are any suggestions, then please head over to my social media accounts as I have already, you know, given out the names to you. And uh, if you would like me to cover a certain topic, then please feel free to email me or to message me on Twitter or Instagram. Well then, this was Sindaku because we all have the mysteries piled up. This is Ray signing off and I'll see you again next week. Until then, have a good time.